Knox Game Design. October 2020. Ludum Dare 47. Welcome everyone to Knox Game Design for October 2020. So this month we're going to be talking about Ludum Dare 47. Ludum Dare is a 48 or 72 hour game jam where you create a game over two or three days, basically over a weekend. And when you're done, everybody rates and plays each other's games and everybody has a good time. Uh, so first of all, I was going to talk about the theme voting. So there's various rounds to three rounds of voting. And then in the final round, they take the best themes of the previous three rounds and everybody votes on those. So the final uh, themes were decay, layers, control the world, not the player, nomad, connections, stuck in a loop, feeding the monster, delay the inevitable, contain it, day and night, shipwrecked, Clockwork, you can't save them all, death is not the end, summoning, the world changes when you're not looking. So after all the voting, Stuck in a Loop won the theme voting. So the theme for Ludum Dare 47 was Stuck in a Loop. And you can see right here, let me share this out. Um, you can see here from that was uh, on the Ludum Dare social media account. Uh, the voting, so Stuck in a Loop had a score of 93, then all the other themes. Death in, is not the end, uh, Connections, Decay were the next, and th those all had negative scores all the way down to Shipwrecked. So I'm going to talk about, um, so first of all, there was a, as usual, there was a keynote by a developer in the community. So this was a pretty cool keynote. Um, this is a little bit different than a lot of them because this guy went out and kind of made a choose your own adventure keynote. So as you listen through it, he'll give you options and then at the end he'll say, oh, I you know, like right here, I participated in Ludum Dare or this is my first one. So you can choose the next part of the video that you want to go through. So there's like, I think three different steps and, um, uh, you can pick different options and things like that. It's like, oh, well, I'm familiar with my tools or I'm not and things like that. So um, a lot of different ways you can view that collection of videos. There's also a secondary video, which was pretty good, too. Uh, sometimes there's additional keynotes that people just do themselves. So, yeah, both of those are definitely worth a watch. So the game that I created for Stuck in a Loop, uh, it's called Circuitus Infinitus. I actually don't even really know how to pronounce that, but I've made a lot of games in Japanese and foreign languages. I haven't ever used Latin before, so I looked up Infinite Loop in Latin and translated it the best that I could. I think I ended up using, like, Circuit or Loop or something like that, and that, that's what it, it looks like, Circuit Infinity, basically, uh, what it translated into. Uh, so, yeah... Basically, in this, it's more of a simulation, but I did add an achievement to this or an end goal. So you, and I'll go ahead and bring it up right here. Uh, let me get to my directory with my games. So D, L.D. Smith, projects. And oh, by the way, I think I was the only person in the Knox area to develop a game this time. Uh, talk to... Uh, at least one of the other members or one of the other people who have participated in the past. And they were thinking about it, but I don't think they created anything. At least I didn't see anything 
uh, on my uh, uh, Ludum Dare friends list or anything. Uh, but there was another developer in Tennessee who developed the Ludum Dare game, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. But yeah, let's find the Circuitous Infinity. You can also get this on Itch.io. That's probably the faster way to bring this up is just bring up the uh, Itch.io bill. Yeah. And by the way, I used my uh, Unity build tool to create this. I need to turn down the desktop audio. A little bit more. Okay, I think we're good. Maybe just a little bit of audio. So the objective of this game is to create a loop. So you start out with a ball generator and you can rotate these one of four ways. You can see this rotation value tell you which way it's rotating. So you can either press the rotate button or right click. So let's make it go to the right right there. So that's your ball generator right there. So you can create a bridge for the ball. So balls are going to shoot out of this ball generator. And then you can make them go faster by adding this zip block right there. And then you can turn it by using one of these turn pieces. And so the objective is to make your balls go in a loop. Which sounds pretty easy, but it's a little bit more difficult. And you can move this around by... Uh, using your arrow keys or the uh, ASDW keys. So the idea for this, but and I'll show you this in a minute, came from uh, these ball machines that were created by George Rhodes. And Rhodes is spelt like uh, Rhode Island, R-H-O-A-D-S, I believe. Um, so he would create these ball structures kind of like this and the balls would go into uh, a big loop. Um, so yeah, if, you, if you've heard of Reed Goldberg machines, it's kind of like that. Um, let's see here. Add another bridge turn. So you got a required number of loops. So the first level you got... Um, so to start this guy off, you press spawn balls. And it's got like these pool balls right there. And uh, yeah, they just start going in loops um, but you gotta place your pieces in the correct positions or otherwise sometimes they'll stack up against each other or they'll slow down too much one problem that I had with this was the turn pieces I really wish the balls wouldn't lose so much momentum when going into a turn so I think maybe one way of solving that is to make the turn like a straight uh, angle instead of like a curve and I created all of these pieces in Blender, and I used the Blender uh, Blender Mesh uh, as the collider for this. So yeah, so every time a ball goes around, then that counts as a leap. So yeah, once you have 20 leaps, then you're done. Uh, but you can get pretty complex with these. Um, one thing I would like to do is to give you a score based on how many pieces you used or how complex uh, your circuit is right now and as you go up the number of levels then you get more pieces to use as well uh, one tip that I say in this in this game is to use a zip right after um, bridge turn use a zip after your turn because you always lose a lot of momentum coming out of a turn I think as long as you do that then uh, then you're pretty pretty much safe
I wish I had used a better texture. Uh, basically, this texture that I used, uh, it is a picture of my refrigerator, like the grate in the refrigerator. like, And in this background, it's too, this is like the drain of the ice-making uh, machine in my refrigerator. So that's where that came from. So bridge and a bridge turn. And you only get one ball generator. You can't put multiple ball generators because that would kind of mess up the whole the whole scheme of the game. Because basically there's a uh, trigger at the back of the ball generator and that's what detects whether or not um, you've made a loop. So really I wanted to have this be more like a George Rhodes uh, ball, I think they call them ball sculptures where it would have multiple levels and the ball would drop down and hit a bunch of things and bop around and and all that but uh but yeah in 48 hours i did do the compo with no pre-existing assets or anything like that so yeah this is what i was able to create and let me put another zip here this is what I was able to create in 48 hours. Actually, I didn't spend too much time with this. I, th I think it was uh, about nine hours or so I made this. So yeah, the, the balls are completely random. I, I made all the textures in GIMP. And um, I did the UV mapping in Blender. So not much going on there. I did use a list of randomized ball numbers. So every time you press spawn balls and you get um a, a different set of balls so here's where a problem happens where two balls start getting too close to each other so if this 15 hits the number 11 then we're going to have a problem because and yeah there it goes so there 15 just stopped and it kind of messed up the the continuous loop that we had there so one nice feature would be to be, you can spawn the balls as many times as you want. So I think if I just didn't put one of these zips here, then I would have been okay. Uh, it would have been nice if I had the time to add the ability to delete pieces. Because right now the only thing you can do is reset pieces and that just removes everything. You have to start all over again. It wouldn't be hard to add the ability to remove pieces. It just would have taken more time. Um, for these highlighted locations, I used the same um, mesh, but I just used a different texture. Um, I used a transparent style texture. Let's see, ball generator, zip. You also got to make sure your balls don't go too fast, because sometimes they'll go so fast they'll go off the track and everything. <laughs> Yeah, so that's basically the game. Yeah, if I wanted to develop this further, or I'd add a lot more pieces. I did start working on kind of a post-compo demo, what I'd originally envisioned this game to be. But I haven't posted it out anywhere yet. But if you go to, uh, let's just say Assets, and then send that. I did post a whole thing to my GitHub, so you can pretty much download this and build it without any changes or anything just go to my my github and then you can get it there let's see if this comes up. i did get the new 2020.1 version of unity i haven't noticed too many differences with this version yet but uh, it does have a new splash screen so you know that you're running the latest version of unity 
Yeah, and it actually tells you now how long it's been processing. So it still takes quite a while to start up. I'm busy for 20, 21 seconds. So yeah, here's like the... I, I, I did a new mesh in Blender. So this is kind of like what I envisioned. You really can't see it there. But if I go and maximize this in the scene mode, you can see how this looks more like a George Rhodes machine. So when I say George Rhodes... This is the example of a George Rose. I'm just playing this off YouTube right here. But he would have these big machines. And we actually had one of these uh, where I'm at at the Science Museum. Um, and there'd be all these pool balls in here. And there'd be kind of like a lift that would lift them all the way back to the top. But yeah, they'd catch in all these different contraptions and wiggle around these slides. And here at the bottom, there's a big like bowl where it'll like spin around in and things like that. Let me go to theater mode right there, make it a little bit bigger. So I'm thinking this one guy made all these machines because they all kind of look the same. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's many of them that still operate anymore. This one's kind of cool because there's like three balls over here. And once it gets to the fourth ball, then it'll dump all those balls out. And then it looks like they'll go down one at a time. And it's all based on lifts and levers and things like that. And and I'll go through all these twists and turns. It's pretty genius because he, he made it in a way that not all the balls take the same path. So there's a lot, a little bit of like randomization and things that uh, go on like that. And there's like one of the balls spinning. There's like a xylophone. I remember the one at the science museum that I went to had like the xylophone in there. So you can always hear the pinging of the xylophone type thing whenever it went, went over those right there. So... Yeah, this is apparently at 42nd Street Ballroom in May of 2017. I don't know if it's still there or not. But yeah, pretty cool stuff. I think there's actually an interview with George Rhodes on here. So here's another one, Ball Machine. So this one's a little bit easier to look at right here. But this is what I originally envisioned this game being. And you can kind of tell, like in the uh, scene mode or, uh, yeah right here where it'd go along a track but the problem with this is is making this in a way that's editable by a person so in the game that i made for ludum dari 14 it's basically all just squares and it goes along the square track but even with this one you still notice like a lot of the slowdown as it goes through these turns right here and the way that i tried to fix that is with the physics i have some like physics materials so i have a physics for terrain so if you click on this guy right here and you click it look at piece straight then yeah for material over here it has a physics track and you can play around with these physics values so i have it really low on the uh the friction but the problem is if you lower the friction so much, the ball will just like shoot off and it won't spin or anything. So you got to add a little bit of friction for the ball to spin and turn. Otherwise, it's just going to, it's like it's on ice and it's not going to move at all. So I still haven't figured it, figured this out perfectly yet. And doing these turns are, are kind of hard in Blender. I think you can do it with like an array or something. I just kind of winged it real quick just as kind of like a little post-compo demo. But uh yeah, I was hoping I'd be able to see the interview with George Rhodes. It's in here somewhere. 
There's a lot of other, like, Reeb Goldberg-style videos. They're pretty fun to watch. Maybe if I just type George Rhodes. Yeah, there it is. George Rhodes interview. So this is a pretty good watch right here. So you can hear him talk about how... And talk about how his mindset when he came up with these machines and how they were made and things like that. And yeah, it's kind of unfortunate that uh, not more physical type things like this are made. And he kind of talks about the mechanics and everything. Uh, so yeah, it's a pretty good watch right there. So that was my game for Ludum Dari 47. I also want to mention Recursor. I still don't know what this guy's real name is, but he's been doing Ludum Dari almost forever. Uh, I think since like Ludum Dari 16. Oh, one bit, bad bit of information is that if you go to ludumdare.com, now it just redirects you back to LD Jam, which. I made a post about it. I don't know if anybody's responded yet, but it's kind of unfortunate to lose all of those entries from like years and years worth of entries. Cause I think the new site only covers like Ludum Dare 33 or so 30, 38 and up. So all, all the entries from before Ludum Dare 38, I don't know if they're gone or if they've moved somewhere else or what. But uh, that is kind of unfortunate. But yeah, he's uh does Pixel Byte Studios, and I'm pretty sure he's still in Tennessee. Um, let's see if I go to it. Yeah, let's check out his uh, Twitter right here. Yeah, he's it just says Tennessee, so I don't know if he's in Knoxville or Tri Cities or in Chattanooga or Nashville or the West Side. Um, I kind of got a feeling he's somewhere in East Tennessee, but I don't know what the guy's name is. I mean, he's very, he's very mysterious. I think I have seen some of his videos before, so he has posted some tutorials out there. It looks like he uses Godot quite a bit and things like that. Um, he used to be a Unity developer, but I guess he's primarily Godot now. So I don't know if he did his entry this time in Gudo or not, but he has done. Oh, well, he's done Love 2D as well. Um, but yeah, his entry this time was uh, called Break It, and I played this. It's kind of like a first-person style game. You got all these cannons shooting at you. I don't have any video right now, uh, but I did play it and rate it. And basically, you got these cannons shooting at you. You got to dodge the rocks, and you can catch the rocks. And try to use it to throw at these pillars. So basically you're destroying these different pillars. So pretty cool game. Check it out. Check out Pixelbyte Studios for all of his software and past games. He's got an itch.io. So he's got all, all that posted up there. So check that out. Um, yeah, I'm also going to mention my Time Lapse Maker. I did update it a little bit. So if you go and download it from my GitHub, and when you run it, time lapse maker, it's in Ruby, so you need to uh, you need to install Ruby on your system. But one change that I did make that took a little while to figure out is I got like a file selector now that pops up when you select either of the folder. So basically, what you do is you select the folder. With all your video files, so if like you did a recording of your Ludum Dare 
development. You have like five different video files. It can be, I think, TS or MP4. Then you just select that folder. Uh, you tell it what you got to have FFmpeg installed, which is a free, free piece of software you can install, uh, download and install. Then you just select it. I figured out how to like filter by executable as well. Uh, so you select that and you give it a video resolution, time between frames. Um, so typically this generates 10 frames per second. Yeah, I actually had little tool tips here too. How often to capture a frame from your source video. So 15 seconds between frames uh, is, uh, yeah, it's every 15 seconds. If you put in 30, then that's 60 divided by 2. Uh, so 2 times a second. Then... If you put in 60, then that'll capture a frame every minute. And then in the output, I don't have it configurable for the output yet, but it just does 10 of those frames for every second. You also have it where you can select the output folder and open the output folder. So it's like, hey, I want to put time lapse in here. Then I added this open button so it'll actually open where those frames are. This is helpful once you generate the frames from your time lapse. If there's things in there that you don't like, like you stepped away for 15 10, 15 minutes and you want to delete all those empty frames, you can just go in here and delete those empty frames where nothing's happening. And previously you had to use virtual dub, import all those frames in virtual dub, you would sequence them, which is, I think it's still, you can still sequence them, which takes all of the frames that you have left after deleting anyone that you don't want. And then it will create a sequence of frames uh, based on the file name, like it starts out with 0000, then 0001, 0002, and that way you could import those into virtual dub, and then it would make a time lapse video. But now I actually programmed it so you can actually just press create time lapse, and it will create a time lapse video for you without importing into virtual dub. And it, that took a little while, like looking into the nitty gritty details of FFmpeg to figure out how to do that. And I found all the right, you can actually view the source code. It's on my uh, GitHub. You can download it there. And once you have it, let's see here. Um, time Lapse Maker. I think it's right here. It's creating the executable. Oh, yeah, then I have Create Time Lapse. So I have this big hairy command. So I could actually add another field for how many frames uh, in a second. For the time lapse, I could eventually I'll probably do that. I'll make this a option right there. But yeah, you got to use like the C V or C colon V, then libx264. So I learned about all these pixel formats and encoding things like use dash pix format yuv420. And I was getting a lot of issues. It was like if you don't use the right pixel format and the right encoder, and if, I think the CRF tells it to use no compression. Because when I first generated it using FFmpeg, using these commands, I'd lose a lot of quality. So you got to pass in like this dash CRF zero to retain the quality of your video. And then if you didn't use this pix format, if you didn't use the right value for this, then the colors would be off, it'd be blue and pink, and it's, it's like it's almost converting RGB into CMY. Uh, so it'd do weird things. So it took a lot of trial and error to fi figure out exactly the right set of parameters to use for this to generate a time-lapse video. Now, I'm sure there are people out there who are experts in video encoding and know a lot more than, 
about this than me, but being a novice, I mean, whenever I've used FFmpeg, I always just like specify the source source file, which is typically like a TS or something, then specify the output, which would be like an MP4. And that's all I would ever do with it. So this was a little bit of a learning process for me, figuring out the right parameters and all these encoding standards and all that. Because there's a ton of different encoding standards and video standards and audio standards and all that. And it just kind of goes over my head. I wish I had the page up right now, but uh, you can... Search for that online if you really want to know about more encoding standards. But yeah, just press create time lapse and then that'll put it in your output folder. And let's see your click open and it should just like plop it right here. Yeah, like time lapse MP4. And this is on like YouTube and everywhere else. Um, uh, this one didn't create well. So I'll just, uh, yeah, I guess this was the one that I did before that didn't turn out so great. See, it was in LD. Yeah. I eventually got it created. And I do have a link right on my entry page, so you can uh, click. A, I do have gameplay if you just want to see gameplay of the game, like some example levels, how to solve the game, and kind of like what I just did, how to create a track and how to generate the balls and things like that. But the time lapse is right here, so you can just click on that. And I'll add this to the main site as well, so you can expand this, and you can see in... 3 minutes and 53 seconds, me creating this entire game over a weekend. So, this used to be very popular back in the day, about, uh, I don't know, seven, six, five years ago. Everybody used to do a time lapse. I don't think as many people do time lapses anymore. I didn't make my code a little bit bigger so you can actually see more of me actually creating the code, me using Blender to create the different models and me using unity and and things like that so and also when i switched over to my macbook pro laptop i also captured the video of that uh, as well so you can see me using GarageBand to make the music and everything oh so this is kind of like a, becoming a mini post-mortem but i've been going out and like watching local bands in the area so I try to use a little bit of what I learned from watching bands to compose the music for this because I noticed typically in past uh, game jams and when I'm composing music, I'd only use like a drummer and maybe one or two uh, lead instruments. And the lead instruments would basically just switch between the two. But now once I got out and started watching some real bands, you realize the importance of having like a bass guitar or like a bass uh bead in the background just kind of like a long repeating theme and you can do some things with that you can cut it at times and drop the bass and things like that and having like two different lead instruments and then the drummer with that so i guess it's really just adding the bass to it that's one thing that i added to this one and it makes it sound a lot fuller the music than my previous entry so i do plan on posting all of my uh audio the music to um to uh what is it called soundcloud <laughs> so eventually it'll be up on my soundcloud page so yeah not, as always there's my unity helper i made like one small change which you can see here in the latest code so unity helper is a tool that i developed which makes it 
easy to compile games, Unity games, games developed in Unity for multiple systems. So you just check your game and select whether you want to make it from Windows, Max, Linux, WebGL. And also, if you want to, it can bundle the output into zip files, which is very helpful for sites like GameJolt. Because GameJolt, you have to upload zip files. and uh, There's no automatic uploader like there is for itch.io. So it will make those zip files for you, which... Doesn't sound too difficult, but it's just time consuming if you have a lot of games and you want to make zip files. So, this will automatically do that for you. So, you can just dra drag them and drop them on GameJolt or whatever site you want to. But the one thing that I did add in the latest version for this is fixing the script template. Because one thing that I really, really irritates me is when they put the opening brace on a new line. So, every time they release a new version of Unity, I have to go in and fix this. And also, every time they come out with a new version of Unity, I like having my author information and year uh, or date copyright style information automatically generated when I create a new C-sharp script in Unity. So what this does is it automatically up, updates that template. And whatever I have defined in the configuration file for the author... And also, I think it just gets the year based on system time. And it plops that in on the first line. So it'll automatically update this template for you. And it also fixes the op opening curly brace, puts that on the same line. So did a little bit of work with that. Um, yeah, so as always, check out the Discord channel. There's a lot of activity on there. Uh, Locksmith Army, who I know is in, I'm pretty sure he's in Tennessee. Uh, he's been working on a game, so you can just... Go to the game show off, and you can see some of the games that people in the Knox area are working on. He's doing some 3D stuff right here, like a little first-person RPG fantasy-style game right here. Looks like he's got health bars and enemies attacking and things like that. Um, here he's got like a big spider right there. Spider-style enemy. So you can find all this in the uh, Game Show Off channel on the Knox Game Design Discord. So that's some pretty cool uh, splatter effects and glowing effects and things like that. Uh, I posted like the pictures of my Game Jam stuff. And then Zombie Huggles, uh, he's been working on, on a game as well. It looks like he's like in a haunted house or something, a little puzzler. Right here has got some cool lighting effects going on and everything. And uh, I posted like my post compo. I usually do WebMs because those are kind of easy to manage and upload. And this is Zombie Huggles right here. And uh, yeah, you can see some of the stuff that these developers have been making. So yeah, a lot of activity, which I always like reading through all this stuff and everything. Um, so yeah. That's going to be it for October 2020. Appreciate everyone watching. I'm thinking about having a, uh, a topic maybe next month. I know it's getting really late in October, so I just had to get something out before the end of October before it turns November. But yeah, I'm still hoping to do Allegro, but I'm going to have to uh, refresh myself on Allegro. 
Also, I want to do uh, Raspberry Pi, which uh, I worked on quite a bit. And I never made a video about my Raspberry Pi Arcade, which isn't really game development, but it plays games. But uh, it can play like uh, games made, made in Pi game and things like that. So I'm going to have to yeah get that out i think there's some good information about that how i created that that i haven't shared yet so i do want to do one on raspberry pi i'm sure there's still other topics that i haven't done but uh i'll have to think about that some more so still going and yeah so this time we i'll, I'll just go ahead and say we didn't do a kickoff uh for ludum dare like we usually do there just wasn't any interest there's a little bit of interest, but uh, not enough to do a get-together or anything. And plus, things are still strange out there uh, having to deal with meeting places and knowing what the rules are. I mean, if we get enough people that are interested in doing a kickoff, maybe in April 2021, I can always go out and see if I can get a conference room somewhere and do that. But, like, with the different restaurants and everything, you don't know what the rules are and all that. So it's easier just to do it, just even not do one if there's no interest, or just do it online for now. But hopefully things get get back to normal soon. I mean, it's been it's been months, and I won't go into all that. But uh, yeah, hope everybody out there is doing okay, and hopefully people keep making games. Hopefully this isn't the end of indie game development. It seems like there just hasn't been a lot of activity lately, but. Uh, yeah, hopefully once uh, once things get back to normal, I hope people start making games again. Like I always say, it's good to take a break from game development. I mean, I got really burnt out this summer. I, for the past seven years, I've been making a new game almost monthly. I was doing like 12 games a year, and I've got like I've finally passed 100 games on my website. So I really need to break myself. So I think I've only done like four or five, three or four, four or five games this year. I do have a lot of ideas though. I have some more ideas on games that I want to make. So uh, I want to do some VR stuff and got a couple of other ideas. So hopefully I'll get to work on these soon. So anyway, appreciate everyone out there listening and watching.